renovation. You know, I'm going to talk today about, and I'm going to give you three words, renovation, rebirth, and revival. And I'm going to tie these three, three things together this morning. And I believe that before we leave here today, we're all going to get a little bit more of that, of each one of those things in our hearts and in our lives. Father, we thank you for this time of sharing your word. We pray, Father God, that your word would be a lamp into our feet, a light into our path. Father, that the entrance of your word brings life. And Lord, it brings light. So Lord, let the light of God, the life of God, penetrate every one of our hearts, our lives, our bodies, our minds, so that we can receive the fullness of your intention this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we ended up being thrust into a renovation season here because of a little bit of a crisis, but let's be honest, we needed an update. Amen. (laughs) We needed an update. We needed uh, something that would reflect the season that we're in. It seems like right now I feel like I'm surrounded by renovation. Uh, We've got renovation here at the church. Um, How many remember last year in May, Prophet Greg Bailey came to us from uh, Australia and gave us a message about new clothes? That God was giving us new clothes. Well, let me just say, just like Elijah and Elisha, the first thing that Elisha did before he could take up the new mantle is he had to tear the old one. And so God's had us in a tearing of the old mantle, a tearing of the old season. So it's not just about a building. It really is about a season that God has us in. God is renovating ministry. God is renovating structure. He's renovating our lives. Uh, We're kind of in a season right now where everything's getting put on the table. And we're just saying, you know, Lord, do what you need to do during this season. I hope that all of you really are in that time in your life where you're just giving God carte blanche permission to say, God, do what you need to do. We're in renovation here at the church. We're in renovation in ministry. We believe that we're birthing a new thing. Um, we're also renovating um, a rental house that, uh, that we own with uh, Pastor Dan and Missy uh, for Jason, our son, to move into. Let me, how many of you did decrees at the beginning of this year? We, we encourage you to write some decrees. I want to remind you about those decrees. We're halfway through the year now. If you haven't been decreeing them, go back and decree them. Go back and start taking a look at what you decreed at the first of the year. One of the things that I decreed at the first of the year is that Jason and Valerie would be able to move out of, out of um, their trailer into a house. I just didn't know that initially it was going to mean my house. We might have to be more specific, okay, because... About a little over three months ago, Jason and Valerie and their three boys moved into our house. They had some serious issues with where they were living, and they had to move out. And, uh, and so uh, I went back and read my decree, and I went, oh, I just said a house. <laughs> I might need to be a little more specific next time. So they've been living with us now for, three, for a little over three months. And uh, it was really funny this morning because Jason and Valerie um, – took off on a cruise with her, with her family. Her side of the family are celebrating uh, Miss, Miss, uh, Miss, Anne's, uh, Miss Anna's 80th birthday on the cruise. And uh, they kind of used this opportunity to take a break. And to, they haven't actually uh, been apart from Lucas. And every vacation day has been spent going to doctors and traveling out of town. And so this was a really great opportunity for them to just go and, and have some, some together time. And so we're watching the three boys uh, for this whole week. So if you think about me this week, and I said if you think about me, because I'm going to be the one getting up at 5 in the morning with those babies, because... Let me just tell you, he never heard it when it was our kids. I don't expect him to hear it when it's our grandkids. 
I can remember when, when I would have been up all night long with the kids and I'd be crawling back into bed for the first time at six o'clock in the morning and he would roll over and say, have you been up? I just wanted to take the pillow and just, no, I don't know. <laughs> Not his gift. So think about me this week. Okay. Um, so in the middle of this, we are, we're renovating this house, but we're on our way to church this morning and, and their, their parents left in the middle of the night. And, uh, and Riley says, this is so exciting. We're having a sleepover at Mimi's house. <laughs> and I said, Riley, you've been sleeping at my house for the last three months. <laughs> and he went, oh, yeah. I, I, think I, I think I ruined it for him. I, I didn't mean to, but I think I ruined it for him. <laughs> but in the middle of this, we're actually renovating a rental house, and it was left in very, very poor shape by the previous renter. And so yesterday, we were painting all day, and... Um, uh, Jimmy, I don't know how you do it because uh, Jimmy Ryan's a painter, and I, I had more paint on me than was on the walls. I've got to be the world's messiest painter. Uh, I was uh, I was getting ready for church, and I had had to scrub paint from everywhere last night. And I was going to brush my hair, and I lifted my arm up, and I had paint all down my arm that you guys would have gotten to see while I worshipped this morning had I not seen it this morning in the mirror. But so renovation is really breaking out everywhere. And guess what? Men of, renovation is messy. <laughs> renovation is messy. Um, and sometimes it's difficult. Um, one of the things that we did, and I'll tell you a little bit more about this as, as I go on, but, um, but, but we went, uh, as Pastor Tom mentioned at the beginning of this, this time, this service, uh, we went from uh, on a river cruise. I am a, uh, a hobby travel agent. That means that I'm not planning on making a lot of money with it. I just am a hobby travel agent. There you are, Jimmy. I thought you were sitting over there. You, Okay, <laughs> just keeping me sharp. Okay. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, um, and I had a great opportunity that they gave, uh, that they gave us uh, opportunity to go on this river cruise for just next to nothing. And so uh, we were over in Europe anyway in Norway. So we flew down and did this cruise from Budapest to Bucharest, which is through all the previous Soviet bloc nations. And these are actual nations that are in renovation. Because they went through decades after decade after decade of communist rule where everything beautiful was, was destroyed. And so we're talking about entire nations that are in renovation. How many believe that God has a heart to see nations renovated? Amen. How, how many believe that God even wants to renovate the United States of America? Amen. And God wants to begin to restore us and rebuild us. And so I'm just going to talk a little bit about that. And the first thing I want to say is that renovation is a reformation word. Do we have that, Jonathan? Okay. Renovation is a reformation word. Um, I, I want to just show you this scripture, and I'll read a little bit more out of this particular chapter um, in 2 Chronicles 24.4. It says, the time came when Joash determined to renovate the temple of God. So see what we're doing is something that is very, very spiritual. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that whole scenario in just a little bit. I want you to remember that when Jesus was um, confronting the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious system of the day, Jesus did his own renovation in the temple of God, if you remember. He went in and he turned over the tables of the money changers, took a whip and drove all the animals out of the temple. And he said, my house is to be a house of prayer. Okay, but you've made it a den of thieves. And what Jesus was doing was bringing a renovation to God's divine purposes. Now look at the definition of this word renovation. And this 
to me punctuates the fact that it is a reformation word. In this house, we're talking a lot about the third reformation. The first reformation was when Jesus came to the earth and Jesus said, no longer are you going to approach God and, and have forgiveness of your sins through the blood of bulls and goats. Jesus completely renovated the way that we relate to God. Not only now is he saying that, that the temple was going to be destroyed, he was saying you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Your body is the temple. You are my church. This building isn't the church. You are my church. And we've got to get that mentality into our mind. Jesus came and brought a reformation that brought a renovation to how we relate to God. Then in the 1500s, and in just a couple of years, we're actually going to be approaching the 500-year anniversary of when Martin Luther came and nailed the 95 Thesis to the door of the Wittenberg Church, and he began to declare the things and the practices of the church uh, that, that the church had gotten caught up in uh, was a bunch of junk that wasn't even scriptural. And Martin Luther began to declare, the just shall live by faith. They're not going to be saved through indulgences. They're not going to be saved through, uh, through keeping this, this, and this. The only way that you can be saved is by grace through faith. And, and even that, by faith through grace, even that is not of yourself. You can't save yourself. You can't get good enough to earn salvation. And so a massive a, a renovation began to happen. A second reformation came to the church. And we believe that we are now in the beginning of the third reformation where God is coming in and re renovating his church, renovating his people. And just like this church building gets messy in the middle of renovation, guess what? Sometimes the church gets messy. Okay, as a matter of fact, there was a lot of bloodshed in the middle of the first two reformations that I talked about. So look at this word. It means to restore to a new or like new condition, to rebuild, to repair, to reinvigorate. How many want to be reinvigorated? Y'all pray that word over me this week. Lord, just reinvigorate, Pastor Jane, okay? Reinvigorate, to refresh, and to revive. So you see, this, this word about renovation, it kept stirring in my spirit. So during one of our, our, our prayer times um, across the street, we're continuing with the, uh, every hour praying in the spirit for an hour a day um, at, at the CI staff. And uh, during that prayer time, um, the Lord just had this, this word about renovation. So I looked it up, and that's the, the definition of it. So when we came into our renovation process, I want you to put up the next slide, Jonathan. Here's some of the things that we had to do. In order to move forward in renovation, this is what God is doing to move us forward in the church in our season of renovation. You've got to start out by getting a plan and getting a budget. You've got to start counting the cost. Are you going to move forward into the new things of God? Or are you going to be satisfied with the old ways? Let me just say this. The old is easier. So if you're looking for easy, it's found in the old. But the scripture says, be established in present truth. So if you want to be, what is present truth? It's whatever God's doing now. I'm glad for what God did then, but I want to see what God's doing now. I want to live in the now. So we need to count the cost. We need to get a budget. We need to understand this is what it's going to cost me to move into the new things of God. It, you've got to strengthen the foundations. One of our problems, why we flooded, is that the water came up and, and broke through our foundation and flooded us from the ground up, not from the sky down. And right now God is looking at us to strengthen the foundations of our faith. 
Matter of fact, don't be surprised if he allows things to come around you, circumstances to come around you that push your button. Yea, thus saith the Lord. <laughs> don't be surprised if things press your button because when your button, button gets pushed, you find out if you believe what you believe, you believe. Do you really believe what you believe, you believe? You find out when you get your button pushed. Do you know what your button is? Because I promise you the devil knows what your button is. <laughs> I promise you your spouse probably knows what your button is. Shore up your foundations. Listen, Ephesians 2.20 says the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So whatever it is that God is doing now in this next season of time, God has been rocking our foundation, shaking everything that can be shaken so that that which cannot be shaken remains. And God's been doing that in every one of our lives. And you know what? There's a lot of people that say uh, apostolic and prophetic, that's old order. But you know what? If you say the foundation of this building is old order, you have to say the whole house is old order. I'm not just talking about this church. You guys hear what I'm saying? God is saying the church is built on the foundation of apostles and prophets. So you've got, we've got to shore up our foundations. And not just as a church, we've got to shore them up individually. You've got to get back in the word of God. You've got to read your Bibles. You've got to pray. It's not good enough. Listen, uh, listen, uh, uh, um, I was having a conversation this week, and, and uh, I, sa- I said to somebody, I said, listen, you can't just say this. You have to actually do it. You have to actually say the words. You have to say, I forgive. You have to deal with things in our lives. You can't just say, oh, yeah, I know that. No, you have to do that. That's the next thing is deal with the holes, the leaks. The holes that, that give the enemy access, sin, disobedience, laziness, unforgiveness, things that compromise our holiness. Let me say it again, holiness. It's not an old order idea. I promise you, whatever God is doing in the new is going to involve holiness. It's not going to involve a lower standard. It's going to involve a higher standard of righteousness and holiness and Christ-likeness. We've got to deal with the leaks. When, when we flooded, we had some areas of leaks. They didn't call them, cause the massive flooding, but we're shoring up the leaks. We're dealing with the leaks right now. You want to talk about renovation? You want to talk about going into the new things? We've got to deal with the stuff that's in us, that's around us, and we've got to do the right thing. It's not good enough just to think the right things. You've got to actually do the right thing. And if you're having a hard time even thinking the right thing, still do the right thing. Until you get your thinking lined up. (laughs) Deal with the leaks. Make the tough decisions. Pastor Tom has mourned a little bit through this process. Because you know what? We, we built this church 20 years ago. We actually moved into it in 1994, so it's been 20 years now. We're getting ready for the next 20 years. But you know what? We put our blood, sweat, and tears into what we had. We know that it was, got, got dated, but it, was, but it was what we had worked for. And so every little step 
was a letting go. How many of you have seen Frozen? Our grandchildren sing, let it go, let it go. Well, that's been our theme song during this whole time. Taking letters down off the wall, let it go. Tearing up the carpet, let it go. (laughs) Come on, there's a lot of things that may have served you well in your last season, but God is saying you're going to need to let some things go. And let me just say, if it was easy, we wouldn't be talking about it. In renovation, you have to make some tough choices. You have to make some tough decisions about how you're going to position yourself. And then here's what's really fun. Tear out the old. Tearing out the old, the outdated, the redundant, the damaged, tearing it up. I, I never saw a church of people so happy to tear up carpet. We haven't had that many people here on a Wednesday night in I don't know how long. Y'all just like all flocked out with such great enthusiasm to tear up carpet. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> I guess it's the breaker anointing, okay? Then you have to repair the walls. There's things that we're doing with the walls. You have to repair the walls. And, and I want to encourage you to go and read in the book of ne- Nehemiah during this season of time. If you remember, the walls of Jerusalem were all torn down. And this, listen to what Nehemiah said to them. They said, here's what I want you to do. We're going to repair the walls of the city, but here's how we're going to do it. I want each one of you to repair the wall in front of your own house. Think about that. Repair the wall in front of your own house. And when every one of us get the wall repaired in front of our own house, we're going to have a wall around the city. Amen? So we got to talk about repairing the walls so that we can take a city. We've got to get things ready for the new. You can't put in new carpet until the old carpet's up. You can't put new wine in old wineskins. That's the season that God has us in. And I hope, that, um, I hope that many of you are experiencing a lot of this process in your life. I know that, uh, that, that God has kind of got us in a season of digging deep. S- suddenly you're having to deal with things that you thought you dealt with a long time ago. I dealt with this years ago. Really? Okay. But now, new levels, new devils. Now, I don't know what it is. Sometimes it's new cycles, you know? When I was, when I was 16 years old... Um, I was a state-level gymnast. I'm a little tall for it, but, um, but I was a state-level gymnast, and I blew my knee out um, that year in competition. I just, just destroyed the ligaments in my knee. And, uh, and between the time that they diagnosed me and scheduled me for surgery and the time that I actually went in for surgery, I actually met a group of people that said, you know, well, God made you. He can heal you. And I was like, that makes sense. Okay. I was only born again two, two years and only filled with the Holy Spirit about two months. So they prayed for me, and God completely healed and restored my knee. Completely recreated the ligaments. We just saw God do this in Norway where this man came up for prayer, and he had no ligaments in either one of his shoulders, and he could only move his arms about like this. But before the evening was over, he was doing this. He hadn't moved his arms. I mean, God just recreated ligaments, just like he did in my knee um, all those years ago. And, um, and, and so at, at 16, the Lord healed my knee. Now, I had surgery anyway because when I told my parents that my knee was healed and I didn't need surgery, my unbelieving parents rolled their eyes, kind of looked at each other like, oh, my God, our daughter is a religious fanatic. And, uh, and, 
and, and we're grieving and mourning over that. And yet, when they did the surgery, I told the doctor, you're going to get in there and find that nothing's wrong with my knee. And that's exactly what happened. So, amen. But I want to tell you something, that, that every few years after that, I would start getting pain in my knee. And every time I would start getting pain in my knee, one day the Lord spoke to me and he said, every time you come to a new level in God, the enemy tries to revisit old issues. And so I've never had a problem with my knee ever since that time because God completely healed it. But what my point was is that it began to become a celebration to me. Every time I would have a pain in my knee, I would recognize I'd come to a new level. And I would speak to that old thing again. And I would celebrate the fact for what God delivered me from back then because the Lord was thrusting me forward into a new season. So don't be surprised if you see some things from the old season visit you in the new season. Let it be a reminder what God has delivered you from. And just don't go back and start partnering with those things and thinking that you're not delivered and you're not healed. And if you need to get re-delivered and re-healed, then do that. Okay? So we started this talking about Joash. If you have your Bibles, and this is actually not on the overhead. Most people carry their Bibles electronically. I was with this one pastor that said he has somebody in his church developing an app that they can attach to their Bible programs that sounds like the turning of pages. So I'm going to take you to 2 Chronicles 24. And this is the story of Joash. Um, and, and him renovating the house of the Lord and why he renovated it. And in verse 7, um, it says, For the sons of Athaliah, that wicked woman, had broken into the house of God and had also presented all the dedicated things of the house of the Lord to the Baals, the Baal system. Okay, so Athaliah was the daughter of Jezebel and Ahab. <laughs> you want to talk about generational curses, let's talk about Athaliah. She was a wicked woman. Um, her son took the throne. When he died in battle, she took, she took the throne for herself and wiped out all the rest of her children and her grandchildren. That's hardcore. But there was, only, there was a little baby that was a year old whose name was Joash at the time, and somebody hid him away. And when Joash was seven, he became king. And he began in his reign to restore the things that Athaliah had destroyed during her wicked rulership and her wicked reign um, in the kingdom. And we'll go back and we'll read some more of that later. But I I wanted to show you, if you'll um, go to the next slide, I wanted to show you what the name Athaliah meant. Because I know that I preached a message here two or three years ago. Um, about the issue of the spirit of Athaliah. We talk a lot about, oh, Jezebel this and Jezebel that. I know that that's a spirit of witchcraft. But when I read this, Athaliah was a lot worse. I mean, she wiped out every person that was remotely related to the royal seed. You know, the enemy wants to take out the next generation. The enemy's very focused on the next generation. The enemy's very focused on your children, your grandchildren. And if you're young... He's focused on those that are going to come after you in the, in the time ahead. And the spirit of Athaliah just really, uh, during prayer this week, just really kind of came back to me. Look at what her name actually means. It means affliction. And I broke that word down. Athaliah's name, uh, what kind of a mother names her child? I guess Jezebel. Okay. 
I, I, I got the answer to my question as soon as I asked it, okay? She named her child Affliction, Constriction, and Compression. And it means this, to distress with mental or bodily pain, to trouble greatly, to overthrow or defeat or impose a burden, to deliver a blow. How many of you can look at maybe the last seven years in your life and maybe identify some places where that kind of thing has happened to you? Maybe you've received a blow or a burden or you felt defeated or troubled or maybe you've been distressed with something mental or bodily. This morning I prophesied against the spirit of oppression. Pastor Bill came up and said that he felt that very, very strongly. So we're going to take authority over that in just a minute. Okay? This word constriction means to, con- to cause, to contract or shrink, to stop or slow the natural growth and development of something. How many of you feel like your vision, instead of expanding, has been contracting? Come on, the enemy comes and resists you. He cuts off your money. He cuts off your joy. He cuts off your resources. He tries to constrict you. He tries to constrict you in your Christian walk. We're talking about renovation. We're talking about moving forward. But the enemy comes in to put a stranglehold on the processes of God to constrict you, to afflict you, and to back you off from the things that God wants to do in your life. And when Joash came along, he said, I am going to restore everything that was destroyed during the reign of Athaliah. And I want to tell you that God is in a, in a mood in this season of time where he is saying, I'm going to restore what the locusts have eaten. The chewing locusts, the crawling locusts, the, the swarming locusts, the locusts that ate up your finances, the locusts that ate up your family, the locusts that ate up your health, the locusts that ate up your joy. God is in the mood right now to bring restoration and renovation to those things that the enemy devoured over this last season. So if you've got something that you're believing to see restored, you know some things have been devoured over this last season, I want you to stand to your feet. I want to take authority over that. I want to ask Apostle Tom to come and just pray. Because lift up your hands right now. We're going to take authority right now in the name of Jesus. And we're going to break the power of this spirit that's sent against us to ravage us. Come on. And Joash came along and said, enough is enough. It's time to see what was destroyed, restored. Let's pray right now. Father, we come in agreement with the spirit of renovation that you have upon our lives. And we make a declaration right now that everything that the enemy tried to do through that spirit of Jezebel and Athaliah, that thing that would try to eat up that which is good and destroy that which would be our progeny and our prosperity. I say now in the name of Jesus Christ that this is the time of the Joash anointing and that renewal and that renovation spirit that will bring restoration. And we declare right now every spirit of robbery and everything that try to come and constrict and restrict us we declare it's time to break out it's time to break through it's time to step into the new and so father we by faith right now take ourselves in a position of breakthrough and say we're moving out of where we've been and into where you've called us to go though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death we will fear no evil but you're taking us somewhere into a place where we will be in green pastures by the beautiful waters that will restore our soul and we receive that right now and we decree it is ours today in Jesus name give the Lord a hand clap hallelujah amen you can be seated the second word I want to focus on is this word rebirth 
because as we were sitting in prayer and I looked up the, the meaning of renovation, I went down on uh, dictionary.com on that app, and they have a, a, a section that talks about the etymology of a word or where the word comes from. And I found out that this word renovation comes from a word, a Latin word, which actually means spiritual rebirth. So the, way, the word that we use for renovate the word that we use for renovation as in a construction or, or bringing something back uh, into, into a, a full view, it is a spiritual word. And it literally speaks of spiritual rebirth. Now, we're going to read a scripture out of John that where Jesus was having a conversation with Nicodemus where he talked about a spiritual rebirth. And I know that I can look around this room and see I'm talking mostly to Christians. There may be a few people here who have not received the Lord, but I want you to understand what happened at our spiritual rebirth. Please don't tune me out and say, oh, I know this stuff. I was a Baptist. Baptists teach this really, really good. Okay. I want you to listen to what the Lord's saying. John 3, verse 3, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, unless you have a spiritual rebirth, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Now, one of the reasons I wanted to read this First of all, is because there is so much universalism that is floating around in the quote-unquote Christian church today that are now declaring that Jesus is only one of the paths to God. It's, it's popping up in places that you would never even imagine. People are buying into a lie because at a time of reformation, there's always a counter-reformation. At the time when God is doing something new, the enemy comes in and tries to twist and pervert. So I want to say to you that you cannot be born again. You cannot receive eternal life except through the name of Jesus and by the power of his blood. You cannot see the kingdom of heaven and you cannot be a part of the kingdom of heaven unless we experience a spiritual rebirth. It is not just a mental ascension. It is not something you're born into. Oh, well, my parents are Christians. Okay, that's good. But what about you? Have you had a spiritual experience of rebirth? Have you been born again? Can you look back and say, that was the time I gave my life to Jesus? And listen, so many of us have been born again. Some of us need to get born again again. Some of us have, need to have another spiritual rebirth so that we can return to the passion of our first love and not settle in to casual, comfortable Christianity that's easy. Jesus never said it was going to be easy. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But it means we're going to carry something. How many of you have been baptized? We know the concept. You, you go back in the water. You lay your old man in the water, and you come up 
as a new man. But I was, I was looking at something yesterday. That's, the word baptize actually comes from a Greek word, which means to dip or to die, D-Y-E, to dye something. And it describes the process of dyeing a piece of cloth a new color. An old garment is dipped into a vat of dye, and when it comes up, it's completely transformed. But I want you to understand, baptism is not just that one day where the pastor or the preacher comes and puts you under the water. We're being baptized every single day by the power and the presence of God. We are being dyed. We are being transformed. We are dying, D-I-E. Okay, we're, we're dying to the old, but we're also being dyed to the new. And what we're going into is not just being dyed by some, some uh, uh, artificial color, but we're being dyed by the blood of Jesus so that we're soaked and we're saturated by the power of the blood of Jesus. And that power and that blood have the power to transform us. Look at John chapter, I think it's the next, the next, ver, uh, next screen. John chapter 1 verse 12. It says, but to as many as received him. How many here have received him? How many here have received him? Trick question. To them he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Look at this word power. It is the word exousia. To them that have received him, he gave power, delegated authority, influence, power that is resident in the mighty name of Jesus. It's now resident within you. To those that receive him, we've been died so that we look, we're transformed by his presence. We have received him, and now he's endued us with power from on high. 1 Corinthians 5.17 says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Does that sound like renovation to you? This word new comes from the word kinos, which means something brand new or something recently made, but it also has a, uh, a connotation of something that is superior in quality. God made something new when you received him, and you are superior in quality. The new you is superior in quality. But this word creation is very interesting. It's the word katesis, and it's the same word that's used in the Greek for talking about creating the world. Something made out of nothing. Now listen, with this renovation, we're taking something that's old and we're making it new. But with this word creation, it does not speak of something that is amended, corrected, or improved. So in other words, when we come to Christ, we are not just amended or corrected or improved. We are made a new creation, completely detached from who you were before. The person you were before is dead. That's the symbolism of baptism. The person you were before no longer exists. Now you are a new creation. So why do we have all this junk that carries on? Because we stay in alignment with who we were. And we don't understand the identity that we've been given a brand new start. 
Listen, I believe in breaking generational curses. I believe that. I believe in getting deliverance from things that we've walked through in the past. I believe in that. But let me just say, I think that we wouldn't have to do as much of that if we actually just believed 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that says we have been made a new creation. The old is passed away, and now the new has come. At the moment of salvation, you can get healed, set free, delivered, filled with the Holy Ghost, moving in power immediately. Come on, it's, it's, it's what God is, has given to us in Christ, in salvation. Ephesians, Ephesians 2.20. That's not the right, that's not the right uh, scripture, I don't think. But it says, um, it's not the right reference. For you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. We are his workmanship. This comes from a word, poema. I probably am not pronouncing that right, but it means something that is artfully created, something made by extraordinary, creative, artistic, intelligent genius and ability. You. You are that. We are that. God does not make junk. God has given us brand new life. So we've got to allow God to renovate us and bring us in to spiritual rebirth. So I'm going to jump from that now to this word revival. And I'm going to tie it all together and get you out of here. (laughs) All right, revival. Here's the word revival. It means to restore to life. Consciousness, vigor, and strength. It means awakening. In Christianity, this is again according to dictionary.com definition. In Christianity, it refers to energetic meetings which are designed to revive religious faith, characterized by impassioned preaching and singing. Technically, revival is, is about reviving those that have already had a spiritual rebirth. It is about winning souls. Thank God it's about winning souls. But it's also about bringing prodigals back. And it's also about dealing with those issues of our life that keep us from aligning with who God says we now are. The picture that I saw, is Nick still here? Did he, did he go? Okay. The picture that I saw really when I was praying about this word revival is really what happened to Nick. 29 years old, had a massive heart attack. And was on life support, not sh- doctors saying he'll never this and he'll never that. Well, I want you to know he has beat what the doctors have said. Amen. And he will continue to beat what the doctors have said because God's going to fully restore him. But have you ever known somebody that goes through a, a heart attack and then they get the, the paddles, whatever you call that? Whatever. Defibrillator. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Okay. The power comes, brings them out of death, into life, but then they are never the same. Then they, they never come to a place of fullness of life. They can't ever fully function. Sometimes they have to stay on life support. Sometimes they lose abilities. They, they have diminished life. 
I want you to know that when Jesus brought us out of death into life, he didn't bring us out of death into life just to leave us in a vegetative state. He did not bring us out of death into life to cause us to live a compromised, weakened life. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and that you might have life more abundantly. That phrase more abundantly comes from a Greek word, which means super abundant in quality, superior in quantity, exceedingly above and beyond. That's the kind of life that Jesus gave us. But let me say this. Many people get born again. They get, and they come out of death into life, but then they never get renovated in their walk to where we're free, to where we're powerful, to where we exude the glory of God on every hand. God wants to bring revival to me. I need revival. I'm not just talking about Friday and Saturday meetings. I'm talking about the season we're in. I need, I need revival. I need renovation. I need God to take old things and make them new. I need God to, to take the areas of my life that are not fully exuding the life of Christ and be filled with that life. I want to encourage everybody, find a time to fast this week. Find a time to fast. Find a time to set yourself in a position to receive everything he has for us. Here's here's what happens. We were just, as I mentioned, we were just in these nations that came out of communism. Decade after decade of oppression, of horrific lack of freedom, the government did everything for them, thought, thought, thought for them, provided for them. This is how they thought. Gave them jobs, gave them a place to live, which, by the way, the places to live everywhere we went were somewhere between four and 500 square feet for entire families. And sometimes more than one family lived. But they were provided for. But now communism's over in these areas. But the problem is they haven't transitioned into a free society. For some of them, communism has been gone for 25 years. For others, it's been gone 15 years. And you know what we saw everywhere we went? Oppression. We saw people that didn't know how to take care of themselves, weren't motivated to work One of the nations we went through, Serbia, has a 40% unemployment rate. 40%. You know why? Because they came out of death, but they never transitioned into life. They came out of bondage, but never transitioned into freedom. And so you know what's happening now? A lot of people are looking around and looking back now at the good old days of communism. It's like the children of Israel coming out of Egypt where they were harshly beaten by Pharaoh. They were forced to make bricks with no straw. And they get out 
Hallelujah. They're free from Pharaoh. They just watched God destroy Pharaoh and his armies in the, in the Red Sea. And they get to the other side and something doesn't go their way. And they said, oh, I want to go back to Egypt. It was so much easier in Egypt. They took care of us in Egypt. Do you, have you all read that in the Bible? Well, this is what's happening in these nations. And this is what's happening in the church. Because progress is challenging. You are going to have to die to yourself. We are going to have to die to ourselves. We don't know what the future looks like. Here's the thing. We don't know what renovation looks like. God doesn't give us the full picture of what it's going to look like. He just says, you're going to have to walk every day by faith. And you're going to have to on my life. And when you get upset, when things don't go your way, you're going to have to dig deeper and draw on my life even stronger. And if you want, you can go back to just comfortable religion and maybe you'll be saved. Maybe. I don't want to look, I don't want to live my life out of a maybe. I want to live my life 100%. I'm a 100%er. I want to live myself, my life 100% for a cause. And I don't want to look back. We need revival. Revival is not an end to itself. Revival moves us forward into reformation. Bringing this back to Joash. Sadly, this is what happened to Joash. Joash had one of the potentials to be one of the greatest reformers in the word. Became king at seven. Toppled the altars of Baal and Ashtaroth. He was under the tutelage of a, of a high priest whose name was Jehoiden, Jehoiada. Joash's name actually means given by God or it means fire of God. Can you see the markings of God all over his life? The preservation. He led this awesome renovation of the temple of God. It actually says, I, I, I just got a kick out of, of reading what it says what he did about building the altar, uh, about being, bringing the restoration. Because it says, um, at the king's command, they built this chest, um, they, they made a chest and they set it outside of the gate at the house of the Lord. And they made a proclamation throughout Judah and Jerusalem to bring to the Lord the collection um, that, that Moses had spoken. And all the leaders rejoiced and brought their contributions, put them in the chest until they had, all had given. And it was at time the chest was brought to the king's official. And when they saw that there was much money, then they, they, they emptied it out and returned it to its place day by day and gathered money in abundance. And, uh, and God just kept supplying. That's been what's been happening ever since we've had this renovation. It's been like this day by day thing. God's bringing finances in from all the land. It's been this incredible, miraculous thing. And then it says that they hired masons and carpenters to repair the house of the Lord. And it says, then they finished the project. And then I saw this little part. It says, when they had finished it, they brought the rest of the money to Joash. You know what I heard? Leftovers. 
Come on, how many of you have got some things God's spoken to you? God wants to supply for you and then give you more beside. But here's the thing with Joash. When his mentor, the priest, died, Joash re-erected the altars to Baal and the worship to Ashtaroth. You see, he renovated a house, but he never renovated his heart. He did a great work, but God really wasn't as much interested in his work as he was what was going on in his heart. Joash went out to battle because the protection of the Lord had left him. He was injured in battle came in, and while he was recovering on his bed, the enemy walked into his bedroom one day and killed him as he laid in his bed. Completely vulnerable because he completely turned back. Why am I preaching this? There's a lot of people turning back. God's calling us forward. But you'll have a choice to make. Will you go forward or will you go back? I promise you, what's back is death. And we've been delivered from death. I want us to stand up together. I believe God wants to do exceedingly above and beyond what we can ask or think. But I believe that there's things in our own lives today. Some of you say, well, you know, Christianity just hasn't really worked for me. Maybe you've been resuscitated. Maybe you prayed a sinner's prayer. Maybe you've walked some things out. Maybe you've had a little bit of life, but you're still not living the full, abundant life that Jesus said is yours. A life filled with power, filled with authority filled with influence, filled with blessing and favor, filled with the, the, the ability to navigate through some of life's most challenging situations. This is not for the faint of heart. It's for the courageous. It's for the pioneers. It's for the, the path, the trailblazers. To make a decision today, to say, Lord, I really do want to move forward. Just in coming to this front area, you're saying, Lord, I'm willing to step out of the old place and move into the new. Please don't do this just because everybody else is doing it. Because God's taking names. <laughs> Who's willing? Who's willing to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it my all. Maybe I've had dis- disappointment. Maybe I've had to face some hopelessness. Maybe I've had some, some tough things that have happened. But I'm going to let God renovate my heart. I'm going to let God set things right in my life. Move all the way down to the front here. I'm going to let God renovate my heart. I'm going to let God restore me. I'm going to let God repair me. I'm going to let God give me spiritual rebirth. I'm going to let the Lord breathe mouth-to-mouth resuscitation into me. I'm going to return to holiness I'm going to return to relationship. 
I'm going to return to the, the, the reading of the word and the communing with God in my home. I'm going to return. I'm going to repair. I'm going to restore. I'm going to experience this rebirth of the spirit. You know, as we're making this dedication to the Lord, I'm just reminded earlier in my life that one of them, I know that God healed them miraculously out of a wheelchair and they could walk. A total miracle. It's no question it was God. No medical intervention was God. I know of another person that I knew that wasn't supposed to live past 16 because of their life, uh, lungs, whatever, God gave them actually a new lung, a lung that had been removed, grew back, and God healed them of the disease that they had, and they're still alive today, and that was 30 years ago. And yet, I know both of those people experienced those things in their bodies, but their heart never got renovated right. Their body got healed, but they actually lived a life far from God for a long time, going to stand in here and judge where they are today because I don't know, but I know where they were for a long time, and it wasn't right where they were. They experienced the power of God. They re- the, God renovated their bodies in a miraculous way, no question. They knew it. They would give testimony today that it was God, and yet something didn't happen in their heart, and yet they could walk away from God knowing that it was God that gave them life. And yet every one of us really are in those positions where God has done things for us, but yet we have to choose every day into, God, I want to have my heart right. I want to be renovated on the inward part so that I wouldn't end up like Joash where he did something great in his younger days or saw your power and, and did these things and yet somehow walked away. Just lift up your hands to the Lord, if you will. Father, we're here, every one of us, no matter young or old or in between, whether pastors or are coming from the seats, Lord, we're all in the same positioning. Father, we all are crying out to you to say we need the rebirthing. It's not about just a mental ascent. It's also about that which is of your power that changes us, that transforms us. But there's more. Lord, there's that which must now be renewed inside of us, refired inside of us, that which must come alive and be revived, that we breathe the breath of life today that we receive that change that begins to be the momentum of our life that causes us not to begin to roll back but begin to press forward and and to go on to be those that know the Lord and that know you close and walk intimately father there's a lot that will take place in the days that we're living in in our generation we're going to see things happen in the nations of the earth we're going to see things happening right in front of our face on tv we're going to experience things and know that we're living in a day that is very uh, uh, pivotal and it's uh, 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 something that we must constantly be uh, rightly aligned and closely walking in it with you so Father we ask that you would be our help that Lord you would connect us today in a fresh way with your heart that Lord we would be revived in our heart that we would have our first love burning brightly oh God that we would be the one seeking your face that we would be the one crying out to you saying God send revival in my day Lord that we would be the ones that are starting the fires, oh God, that we're the ones that are helping others to come alive, to know you more, to be awake, to be alert, to be those that are on the front lines. Lord, we don't want to go back comfortable and just say, I've, I've already fought my fight and so now I'm just going to carve out my little part and say, well, I'm okay. Lord, we're going to be the ones that every day, every breath that we breathe, Lord, if the Apostle Paul could spend all of his days on the front lines and say, I finished my course because he was 
was at that stage where even at that point of, of the end of his life to say, but I pressed toward the mark continually. I didn't look back. I looked forward continually saying, God, what's more? What are you asking of me? I want to hear, well done, good and faithful. I want to hear, you're the one son, you're the one daughter that I could count on, that you were the one that I looked to and you were there at the in the gap praying. You were there, there uh, seeking my face. You were there helping others, lifting them up. Father, that's our heart. Today we've come to the altar for such a time as this. We come to the altar because we say our life is a living sacrifice and we want to be ones that have been renovated all the way through. Lord, we didn't just experience your power. We didn't just come to a worship service. We didn't just get healed or touched or blessed in some way and now we're going to do our own thing. But Father, we're ones that are saying this is just part of your blessing and equipping. But God, no matter what, my heart doesn't change. I'm hot after you, God. I'm passionate for your purposes. I want to be the one that is seeking your face every day. And so, Lord, help us. I've gotten distracted, Lord, in prayer. We talked about distractions and how you said we have to be single-hearted, single-eyed, single-focused. And so, Lord, something needs to align. Lord, begin to carve out uh, the things that need to go uh, uh, into the right peripheral of the view so that our eye can see what's uh, really important in life, what's really going to be counted on, and what you're going to look at, and what's going to be lasting and eternal. And so, Father, this is our dedication today. This is our heart towards you. Father, we want to be renewed. Lord, uh, as I was looking at that word new, it meant to be renewed. It means to be refreshed. Father, let that which is inside of us be renewed and refreshed that we would do the new continually. Every day, your mercies are new. Every day, your love is fresh. Every day, my heart is uh, connecting and saying, I need you. Father, every day I'm crying out. Every day I'm crying out. Every day I'm crying out to you saying, God, I need you more to Today than I did before. Father, let that be true, that we're a worshiping, loving, giving, caring people that are connected to the heart of the Father because of what Jesus did for us. Father, never taking for granted your love and your mercy. Father, help us today. Father, we need it more than ever before. Lord, we thank you for that. Now, just with every everybody just, just shutting your eyes right now, please, nobody looking around. If you know that you're here this morning, maybe you as I preach, you realize that maybe you've never actually experienced a spiritual rebirth. Maybe you've never, you're not really confident that you really have received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and that you are a citizen of the kingdom of God. All of your sins have been washed away. All of your past is, is over. If, if you're not confident of that, we want to pray with you today. Just slip your hand up again. Please, nobody looking around. But just if you're not confident, if you don't know that for a fact, just lift your hand up so I can see it. Look up here at me if that's you. If that's you, okay. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, we're going to pray. I want everybody here to just pray this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for giving your son Jesus who shed his blood so I could have my sins forgiven. Today, Jesus, I confess to you that I'm a sinner. I confess to you that I'm a sinner. And I need a Savior. And I need a Savior. Today, Lord, Today, Lord come, into my life come into my life and give me spiritual rebirth. And give me spiritual rebirth. Bring me to life today. Bring me to life today. Let my life become a reflection of you. Let my life become a reflection of you. I give my heart to you, Jesus. I give my heart to you, Jesus. From this point forward. From this time forward. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' Amen. name. Amen. 
Amen. And amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands. Amen. Hallelujah. There are several people here that receive the Lord today. Now, I want to I do one other thing, maybe two other things. When we become a new creation, old things are passed away. I just feel like there's a place where we need to break ourselves free from old things. Some of you have been tied to family dysfunctions to family illnesses that are passed generation to generation. Oh, well, this is just how it is in my family. No, no, no. Old things pass away. Cycles get broken. Come on, this is what the Word of God teaches us. Oppressive cycles, depressive cycles. We are going to take authority over those things. And if you know of an old thing that you want to see God deal with today, I want you just to lift up your hands. We're going to pray for you. We're going to break you free. There's deliverance. There's mass deliverance. The Lord told me when we came in today that there was going to be mass deliverance and healings. Some of you have some old things of of diseases and of sicknesses and of affliction that has come out of that Athaliah thing. We're going to break you free right now of every, uh, every affliction, every constriction, every oppression. Right now we command it to go in the name of Jesus. Father, we loose the breaker anointing. We break ourselves free from every assignment of the enemy. We declare that the things that have tried to pass down upon our head of oppression and depression, of the things of fear, of the things of shame, of the things that have been addictive cycles, we say, no more. It stops here today. Father, I ask for your grace and mercy to be applied and for the power of the blood, the power of the blood of Jesus Christ now to be applied to my bloodline and that I will not experience the same things that have happened even generationally. And Lord, I will be set free to be able to serve you in freedom and life. I receive right now the passing away. All things have passed away and all things have become new in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give the Lord a shout. Hallelujah. Now, Father, we thank you, Lord, for your season of renovation, Lord. Father God, that you're renovating our lives, our families, our businesses, our ministries, Lord, how we do life. Father, we just give you permission to come in and just do what you need to do, Father God, to tear up the old and get us ready for the new, Lord. That's really our heart's cry. That's why we're standing here, Father. Give us the grace, Lord, to walk out what we just prayed. <laughs> Lord, give us the grace to walk out the fulfillment Because, Lord, you said uh, just a few months ago that you knew how to take a mess and turn it into a miracle. And sometimes progress involves a mess. But, Lord, we just ask you for grace now to pave the way for us forward. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.